Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You know, the madness is about to be upon us when this guy is here, he's there, he's everywhere. And no, he's not hanging out at Bar Coastal quite yet. He might be hanging with some college coaches, whether it's Jim Beheim or Tom Izzo, as they are, you know, tasting all sorts of fine cuisine across America. But the college basketball extraordinaire and the character of all characters, the entrepreneur now with T-shirts, the great John Rothstein over at CBS Sports Network. He checks in as we're about a month away from Selection Sunday. Johnny, what's your brother? JJ, always good to be with you, buddy. Now, Johnny, before we get to all the nooks and crannies here, when am I getting a Syracuse Rothstein shirt? I want one, bro. Let's go. Hey, look, man, you know, you can't force these one-liners. If they come, they come. Syracuse right now, your alma mater has not made the cut. We have not made the cut. We're not going to make the NCAA tournament cut. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's start so first, you're John. you in 2020. Yeah, not ideal, bro. Definitely not ideal. All right, let's get to Seton Hall. They are the talk right now locally. They're a team that has Final Four hopes because of the way they've played so far in the Big East. But a tough loss Wednesday against Creighton. And I don't know about you, John. I thought that was going to be a really tough spot for them. Coming off the emotional win against Villanova, going on the road and winning that game, then you get a nationally ranked team coming into your building. They shoot the lights out. You get an off night for Miles Powell. That's a recipe for disaster. No, it definitely is. And I, you know, spent a lot of time Monday with Kevin Willard in New Jersey. And, you know, one of the things he told me was he was concerned about Creighton because of the way they force you to match up defensively. When Creighton goes up front with either Christian Bishop or Damian Jefferson alongside Denzel Mahoney, it's like you have five players on the floor, J.J., that are almost like queens on a chessboard. They can move anywhere. So Creighton has had the best perimeter in the Big East all season long. They're a very difficult matchup. Kevin Willard was scared and afraid of that matchup on the short turnaround, like you mentioned. And obviously, Creighton proving to be the type of team that can get seated in the four or five range on Selection Sunday and make a run in the NCAA tournament. Johnny, can Seton Hall advance in this tournament and go deep in this tournament and survive one of these off nights for Miles Powell? We know how special he is. We know how dynamic he is. He's got to be great. If he has one of these games where he goes 3-13, 4-18, can Seton Hall survive that? Seton Hall's proven that it can beat really good teams without Miles Powell because it beat Maryland without Miles Powell and Sandro Mamalukashvili. But for Seton Hall to be near its apex, it needs Powell to not just be playing at a high level scoring the basketball, but also distributing. You know, I credit Miles Powell 
for a lot of the breakthrough for Romaro Gill this season. Gill's been one of the obviously more improved players in the country, and Powell's had a major hand in that. You know, do I think Seton Hall can win games without Miles Powell scoring a ball at a high level? Absolutely. But to get to a Final Four, to get to a Sweet 16, they need big mileage out of Powell making shots. And, John, you think about it, man. The region and where you end up playing could be so crucial. If you're Seton Hall, if you're Duke with the amount of alum they bring in, if you're Villanova with the amount of alum they bring in, you see Albany and you see Madison Square Garden for a Sweet 16. I think it's fair to say that's what everybody's going to be vying for here over these next couple of weeks. Well, I'll bring this back to you for a second. There's no better example of how home court advantage can be a factor in the regionals than Syracuse in 2003. When Syracuse got to play against Auburn and Oklahoma in Albany in 2003, it was like was playing a pseudo road game. That's what it would be for the Pirates' opponents if it gets to Albany and Madison Square Garden. And right now, if you're Kevin Willard, if you're Seton Hall, every game you play the rest of the regular season is playing for NCAA tournament seating. We got the great John Rothstein, CBS Sports Network, talking some college basketball as we move closer and closer to the end of the regular season. Conference tournaments, can't wait for those. Be out in Vegas for that. Then the NCAA tournament the following week. What a wonderful time of the year. And, Johnny, I think about these conference tournaments. I mean, a Big Ten tournament this year is going to be cannibalism. I mean, think about the amount of teams, especially on that NCAA tournament bubble, that are going to need to perform in order to get to the big dance. I mean, you look at all these teams on a bubble, you got 9, 10, 11 potential Big Ten teams that could find their way into the tournament. I think it's fair to say that tournament could be the most fascinating out of any of the ones we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten this year, a lot like the Big East, is the type of league where it makes no sense to look past the next game on the schedule because every game is going to be essentially the same. And you're right in terms of the cannibalism that we're seeing in these leagues right now. You know, everybody likes to say, well, it's great. You have so much depth in the league. The league is so good for top for top to bottom. That also means that you're in a situation where you can lose every single game you play. That's the balance of obviously trying to figure out a happy medium between a really good league and a league where you have some built-in victories. Johnny, my producer extraordinaire, Mike Fliegelman, is a Penn State Nittany Lion through and through. And we know he's had a lot to cheer about on the football field. But this year, John, there's been a whole lot to cheer about their basketball team as a whole. When you think about their big wins early in the year, beating Georgetown, beating Syracuse, and they've been money throughout the Big Ten Conference. That win against Michigan State on the road, eye-opening, and they look like a team because they have the inside out, because they have the veteran experience, that they are not just going to be a token invite to the NCAA tournament. This is a team that can make serious noise, I think it's fair to say, in the NCAA tournament. Penn State is a second weekend team. Penn State is a team that has a under-the-radar star in Lamar Stevens. And Penn State has also won its last two games against Minnesota and on the road at Purdue without Myrian Jones, who's been their second-best player so far this season. He's been out due to an illness. And, J.J., they still averaged over 85 points a game in those last two without their second leading score. You know, we're in a funny time right now in college basketball, especially. I mean, I'm sure it's the case in other sports too, but you know me, I don't really follow other sports. So this is my point of reference. So many times there's an appetite for change with a certain coach that the athletic director makes the change just for the sake of change. Penn State is obviously a difficult basketball job. It showed some tangible progress 
two years ago by beating Ohio State three times and then winning the postseason NIT. The athletic director of Penn State, Sandy Barber, opted to stay with Pat Chambers. What he has done is rewarded this program with its best season in ages. I mean, Penn State was a legitimate chance to get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament for the first time in 19 years. Steve Peichel's done a remarkable job at Rutgers. Rutgers, however, though, John, they've been dominant at the rack. They've struggled away from the rack. Are they going to have to win a couple of games here on the road in order to make sure they're tournament-bound? Right now, they're on the right side of the bubble. That could get very dicey over these next few weeks. And if I'm on that committee, I'm concerned about the fact that they don't have wins away from their own building. That's, you know, a big problem here. I look at Rutgers, and I look at a scenario where you don't want to give the committee reasons not to put you in the tournament. But the issue for them is this. Every single game the rest of the way is against teams that are projected to be in the field. Home games against Illinois, Maryland, and Michigan. Road games against Penn State, Wisconsin, and Purdue. There is no gimme during that stretch. If you're Rutgers and you want to feel confident, you go 4-2 and two down the stretch. If they go 3-3 three and three and only win the home games, you have to see what else is going to happen elsewhere around the country. They're in pretty solid standing, though, right now, J.J. But I, I do want to point this out because this is something that needs to be taken into consideration. Because we've seen parity dominate college basketball to such a high degree this year, that means there is a greater chance in these non-conference, excuse me, in these conference tournaments for teams that aren't projected for the NCAA tournament at the start of the conference tournaments to win their conference tournament and then steal a bid from a potential team on the bubble. So this, this year, if you're on the bubble, might be the hardest to take in terms of the anxiety. That's going to help me with my next question. Because, John, last year at this time, Oregon was a team that was not making the NCAA tournament. They needed to run the table in the Pac-12 tournament, go on the miracle ride out in Vegas to find their way into the field. And, of course, they parlayed that all the way to the Sweet 16. And they covered every game for me along the way, John. So you know I'm going to be loyal to those Ducks. That said, who is the team you would look at right now as a part of the Power Five on the wrong side of that bubble, on the outside looking in, that would have a chance to do what Oregon did last year? Is there one team that comes to mind? There's multiple. Let's go conference by conference. The American Athletic Conference has several just because, you know, they have so many teams in the bubble picture. I'm going to give you one that nobody's talking about that could be an absolute spoiler. South Florida. South Florida won at Memphis on Saturday. They also played Houston very competitively last night, lost a four-point game. If Alexis Yetna did not go down with a season-ending knee injury, I think South Florida would have been an NCAA tournament team. In the Atlantic 10, you have Richmond, who just got Blake Francis back from a rib injury. That's something to keep an eye on. In the ACC, there's several, because right now only 20% of the league is projected to make the NCAA tournament. It's almost like an anomaly for the ACC. In the Big 12, a bid stealer to watch would be probably a team maybe like a Kansas State just because of the culture they have under Bruce Weber and because they have the win over West Virginia. I would be surprised if anybody outside the top five of the Big 12 wins the Big 12 Conference Tournament. In the Big East, I think you could look at a team, obviously, like a Providence or a Georgetown. I, right now, I, you know, Xavier's on the outside looking in. If Xavier 
were to be a team that isn't in the NCAA tournament field, I would think Xavier would be the best-case scenario, but right now they're still projected in the bracket. In the Big Ten, it would have to be a team like a Minnesota with a Daniel Oturu, a second-team All-American or a third-team All-American, depending on how you slice it. And then when you look at the other leagues around the country, the Pac-12 and also the SEC, in the Pac-12, I'd like to look at Mick Cronin's UCLA team. They've already beaten Colorado. They've already beaten Arizona at Arizona. And they beat Washington when Washington had Quad A Green. And then in the SEC, an interesting bid stealer, in my opinion, would be a team like Alabama, a dynamic perimeter with Lewis, with Shackelford, and, of course, with John Petty. In the Mountain West, I like Utah State, who, again, is a bubble team right now, but could be in a situation where they're on the other side of the bracket and could get in by getting the automatic bid. And then San Francisco in the West Coast Conference. John, with the ACC, we know they have three great teams. The rest of the conference is mediocre. Do you think the ACC would set up for a potential bid steal or you're not buying? I think you could make the argument a number of ways. I know you want me to say your alma mater. Fair no, I know you're not going to throw them in there, John, because listen, I don't have the size. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And that game against NC State was a killer. I mean, I'm on the plane flying back from Columbia, John. Elijah Hughes goes down 10 seconds into the game. I don't need that for my sanity, bro. I'm with you, bro. I mean, look, I would say just out of respect, Virginia would be the team. And I think Virginia, NC State, Notre Dame, even Boston College, they're capable of winning a game, J.J. I don't know if those teams have enough firepower, though, to win three games or four games in the respective amount of days they're going to play in. Now, with the ACC, Florida State, Louisville, Duke, who do you like best out of that group? Louisville, for the long term, I felt Louisville was a team that had the chops to get to Atlanta, and that's obviously been reiterated since David Johnson's come to the forefront. The freshman point guard missed the start of the year with a shoulder injury. He's been sensational. Duke, to me, shows the, the ability to showcase some of the attributes of other Duke teams pre-RJ, pre-Zion. There's role players. There's intangibles. It's a throwback team for Coach K. And Florida State's a team that you know has been at bat in the last couple of NCAA tournaments and is now just trying to break through. No real star on that team. Tremendous balance. Have one guy, though, that I think could emerge and step to the forefront nationally, and that's Devin Vassell a talented wing who has kind of separated a little bit in the last couple of weeks as the go-to scorer for Leonard Hamilton. John, with no Zion Williamson, with no transcendent talent that everybody is like gravitating towards game in and game out, I look up and down college basketball, and I just think these first couple weekends are going to be absolute chaos. That first weekend of the tournament, I don't think there's that much of a difference between a three seed and a six seed this year. Now, I could be wrong on this. We could see a whole lot of chalk. But do you think that this tournament, because of the topsy-turvy nature in college basketball, is setting up for all sorts of unheaval? I think we are going to have as unpredictable, as archaic an NCAA tournament as we have had in all my years covering the sport. And it opens up the door for non-Blue Bloods programs to have a season to remember during the month of March. I mean, look, you remember Syracuse going to the Final Four in 2016. You had Syracuse, Villanova, Oklahoma, and Carolina. I mean, obviously that was stuff that everybody could, you know, be, you know, associated with and obviously stuff that everybody could, you know, understand and appreciate from a brand perspective. I think we are going to have anarchy at the highest level. 
I think this is the type of year where you're going to like, I use the word archaic because there were, you know, back in the old days, times where you heard stories about Rutgers and Penn and St. John's playing in the final four and all that jazz. I think this could be the year where we're at the final four and you have Baylor against San Diego State on one side and then Creighton against Louisville on the other side. When it comes to Dayton and San Diego State, who do you think is better equipped to go on a deep tournament run? How did those two? The offense of Dayton. Now, San Diego State can score. The offense of Dayton is the most aesthetically pleasing offense I've seen in the sport, and Dayton has the better star in OB Top. And, J.J., I was going over some numbers before the BYU game started tonight. Dayton's played 24 games this year. OB Toppin has shot better than 50% from the field in 22 of those games. I mean, that's unheard of right now when you think about efficiency levels of college basketball. That's like playing NBA Live 95 on the lowest possible level and just taking advantage of the high field goal percentages. I love it, man. I mean, that's the sort of cheat code I need when I'm playing a video game, John. Uh, Maybe I need it on the golf course. I wish there was a cheat code to help me out Get that score a little bit lower. And before we get you out of here, Johnny, outstanding as always, my friend. When you think about the card over the weekend, the games on Saturday, games on Sunday, would you say that Maryland, Michigan State, the most appealing of the bunch? Well, especially with the way Michigan State responded the other night at Illinois. Maryland has the highest ceiling out of anybody in the Big Ten. Michigan State, JJ, is a team that had its ceiling lowered when it lost Josh Langford for the year with a foot injury. That drastically changed the complexion of the team. They need Tillman and Cassius Winston to consistently be all-conference players. But to me, this team is about the ancillary pieces of the puzzle. Over the last two years, when Aaron Henry scores in double figures, Michigan State is 12-4. and And over the last two years, when Gabe Brown scores in double figures, Michigan State is 7-1. and one. As long as Winston and Tillman are stalwarts in their respective positions, Michigan, Michigan State's ceiling will be directly controlled by the supporting cast. That's Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown. And, John, is there going to be a point where I get suckered back in with the Qs this year? Is there any point that I will be suckered back in hoping and praying, or is it basically win the ACC tournament, or that's it and it's get ready for the NIT time? Yeah, I think we'd all be surprised if Syracuse could not put something together to get in that large discussion going. And this is the thing that, you know, you're dealing with right now in the ACC, which is almost unheard of. You're dealing with a league right now in the ACC where you don't have that many opportunities to move the needle in terms of quad one wins, but you're also playing teams who are great brands in our sport, like Notre Dame, like Pitt, like North Carolina, and if you lose those games, it hurts you in the NCAA tournament race. You never thought you would get that in the ACC. It's like like a bizarro episode of Seinfeld when you think about the landscape of college basketball this year. Johnny, outstanding stuff as always. You ain't kidding with the bizarre world in the ACC. I've never seen the league this mediocre, but it's going to be an interesting couple weeks. We will check in throughout, and who knows? Maybe if Syracuse can capture the magic, we can work on a shirt. But I can guarantee you, I'll be down in Atlantic City. I'll be out Las Vegas. And those shirts, my friend, they're going to be everywhere because you are capturing America's imagination one step at a time, my friend. JJ, four words. We sleep in May. That's what I'm talking about. I absolutely love it. The great John Rothstein over at the CBS Sports Network. Johnny, I know you'll be sleeping in May. I'll see you on the Upper East Side. All right, pal?
Later, brother. Always welcome. Remember, the Upper East Side, where every man's a king, but nobody wears a crown. The best. The absolute best. John Rothstein on the College Troops. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.